I spoke last week, didn't I? As, as a church, we've been in this, in this theme, you know, the, the theme for the year is the Ezekiel River that flows out of the temple and everywhere it goes, it brings life and there's this idea of flow. God sort of inspired me, Holy Spirit inspired me as we were talking about that, you know, to start dreaming again. We need as individuals to, to flow. What are we dreaming of? And we all know that we're on the back of a, a couple of years lockdown where probably we've got a bit stuck and a bit withdrawn, a bit in ourselves and as we're coming out of that, I believe it should be the church that leads the way in dreaming again come on there's a big world out there there's a big life to grab hold of Jesus said in John 10 10 I came that you would have the fullest life and if we're not yet living the fullest life it's there for the taking because Jesus paid for it and so we're challenging ourselves on this and we talked about dreams and unpacking dreams you can find all these messages on our YouTube and Facebook accounts but then last week I felt the Holy Spirit prompted to say there's things holding people back and I gave this message called Change Your Clothes. And I got so much great feedback on, you know, we were using clothes, but really it's attitudes on the inside of us. That actually something's developed on the inside of us, which is holding us back. Although we've got that dream and although we want to step in it, there's something just, we're just able to do it. And so many people said, I really needed to hear that. That's been helpful. And so as I prepared for, to speak this week, and I do take it very seriously, it's my honor to speak to you people, you're, you're so brilliant. I felt like there's another message there's still things holding people back. And I don't want to rush past. I actually want to see you living your dream. I believe Jesus wants to see you living your dream. And isn't it just so, such a, a, a sort of picture of heaven where people all over the world are struggling, but the church rises up and starts dreaming again. The church rises up and says, I'm taking this life by the scruff of the There's something on the inside of me, and I'm going to take hold of it because Jesus paved the way for that. That's the declaration of heaven right there. My prayer is that as we come under the truth of God's word, we will allow it to do its work. The word of God will set you free. The word of God will change your thought process. The word of God will excite you. It will lift you up and you'll go somewhere new. If anything is holding you back, it's beginning to be uncovered. Amen. And as we uncover it, you're going to get freedom in that area. Anything that comes into the light is then seen and we can deal with it. But all the while it's hidden in the dark, it's holding us back and maybe we're not even quite sure what it is, but the Lord is uncovering it bit by bit. You will be free. Come on, touch three people and say, you will be free. So my title, if you like titles, is this. Get off me. Get off me. I want to talk a little bit about words. And it starts here in Proverbs 18 and verse 21, famous passage. The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. And I think many of us will understand, you know, this isn't talking about, you know, the tweeness of playground name calling. You know, we, although that is hurtful at times, but that's not really what I'm talking about. I'm talking about things and words that are spoken about you or to you which can promote either life and health or rob you of dreams. Uh, you know, even now, I just wonder if, if you're even thinking, well, yeah, I relate to that straight away. Especially if words are spoken over you by someone who is influential in your life, someone you respect, a parent, a teacher, a boss, a best friend who you value. When, when you give someone some authority in your life and they speak over you, it, it can either promote your life or it can rob from you. It just can. It's powerful. You know, I wonder if someone's ever said something to you and you know, you know, you know, that just cut deep. It's just ouch. Anyone experienced something like that? I know I have. It's ouch. And what happens then? It, it can rob confidence. 
I've got this dream. I'm, I'm going to go for it. And then someone says, oh, don't be so stupid. And you're like, ouch. And it stops you for a moment. You think, oh, now maybe I am being stupid. And what happens? You don't go for that dream. And it robbed the dream. But actually, it was a God-given dream. And Jesus paid for you to have that dream. But words have robbed it. Can you see this thought process? Maybe you can relate to that, that your life has literally changed course because of words. They're powerful. The word itself says the, tower has the, power, the tongue has the power of life and death. It can promote life to your dream or it can destroy it. And I believe God is saying, come on church, it's time to dream again. Come on, you, individual, it's time to dream again. What's in your heart? What is holding you back? Is it an attitude you developed through lockdown? Is it words that have been spoken over you? I don't know. But I want to take it a little bit deeper than that. Who knows that we see family cycles? We see family cycles, family behaviours, attitudes, aspirations, what we work in. We often see them replicating, don't we? But what about this? What if your great-grandparent had a dream? And someone spoke to your great-grandparent, and they're like, oh, yeah, that cut me deep, that did. I've got this dream, but I'm not going to go for it. And so they lived beneath themselves. They got through. And then your grandparent watched their parent, who's your great-grandparent, live like that. And they're like, oh, yeah, no, that, I've also got a dream, but you know, it doesn't happen in our family, does it? We, we just live at this level. It's okay. And then your parent sees their parent live like that. And they're like, oh, you know, this, this could be interesting. Oh, you know, oh, oh, I've got a dream, but, but maybe, oh, that's not, oh, I don't know about that. Uh, and they're like, oh, wow. And they're bringing you up. And you're living in this place where the family cycle says we never quite get there. And it's not because God wants your family never to get there. It's because something was spoken over your great-grandparent and caused them to live in such a way which has knocked on down the line and you're still living under it. I wonder if you're living under a word which was spoken generations ago. But I want to say, you can be a cycle breaker. I want to say, there is freedom to be had. I want to say, we are literally in the presence of the great restorer. We're literally in the presence of the great healer. And Jesus came that you'd have life and freedom. So I don't know what you're living under that's stopping you from having your dream. But today's a new day for you. Come on, let's break out of it. I want to unpack this a little. And we're going to start here in 2nd book of Kings, chapter 2 and verses 19 to 22. And it says this, the people of the city said to Elisha, who's the prophet at the time, look, our Lord, this town is well situated, as you can see, but the water is bad and the land is unproductive. Bring me a new bowl. Turn to the person next to you and say, new bowl. Bring me a new bowl, he said, and put salt in it. Turn to the person next to you and say, salt. Bring to me a new bowl, he said, and put salt in it. So they brought it to him. Then he went out into the spring and threw the salt in it, saying, This is what the Lord says. I have healed this water. Never again will it cause death or make the land unproductive. And the water has remained pure to this day, according to the word Elisha has spoken. What on earth is going on there? What is that all about? But I believe it's going to make sense to us in a moment as we unpack it. And I believe it's going to be helpful to you. See, these are the people of Jericho. 
And the most famous thing about Jericho, you will know, is when you know, the spies went out and looked at Jericho and it was vast and a walled city and, and Caleb and Joshua said, no, we can take it. And God said to Joshua, take the, the army around and do it in silence and then shout and the wall came down. This is Jericho. And, and the people went in and they took Jericho. But in that moment when they took the city, Joshua, the commander of the army, said something. And I want to let you hear what he said. Joshua chapter 6 and verse 26. At that time, Joshua pronounced this solemn oath. Cursed before the Lord is the one who undertakes to rebuild this city, Jericho. At the time of his firstborn son, he will lay its foundations. At the cost of his youngest, he will set up his gates. Wow. So here they are. They've taken this city, Jericho, and Joshua's pronounced this curse on it. Well, is it a curse? Because surely a curse has to have supernatural power. And he's pronouncing a curse in God. Is God really in that? I want to suggest not. I want to suggest it's more like this. Joshua has literally had the biggest victory of his life. They were, he was concerned. The Lord said to him, be strong and very courageous. Be strong and very courageous. Be strong and very... He had to empower him. He was nervous about it. And so he walked around in silence like it was commanded to do. And then they blew the trumpets and it came down. Imagine how you would feel in that moment. Yes! I've been absolutely bricking it for seven days, but yes! God did exactly what he said. And I believe in that victorious moment, Joshua became in his flesh. Probably like me and you might do. And he's like, yes, shove you lot, we've won. Cursed over all of you. Ah! <laughs> Can you see? I think he's just in his flesh. Don't believe it was really a curse empowered by God. I think it was Joshua in his exuberance of his victory. Here's the issue. The people believed it. The people believed it. When you believe something, it has power. Look at this in Proverbs 23, verse 7. It says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So if someone says something to you and you believe it and allow it to get into your heart, you are going to walk that out. And so here is Joshua. This mighty warrior, leader of the army, in his exuberance declaring something. But the people of Jericho believed it. It got in their heart and they walked it out. And they say, the water's bad. Nothing works here. We're unproductive. They believed it. I wonder what words have been spoken over your life that you've allowed to get in your heart. That you've actually believed and you're walking it out. Is that what's holding you back from this dream? I wonder how many of us have massive potential in our lives. In fact, I want to say every single one of you has massive potential in your lives. Real life goals, real dreams, real hopes, aspirations. Really want to go and make a difference in the world. Really want to do something with your life. Really want to make it count. Got a dream. But someone somewhere along the line said something. Someone you trusted, someone you opened up to, and you're like, oh, you'll never do that. Oh, you think you're so special, but you're no better than anyone else, really. You're not really fit for this role. We don't want you here. Don't be so stupid. What about this one? Marriage is always struggling in our family. What about this one? Our family's always had health issues. 
money issues, relationship issues. It just seems to be our lot in life. And the thing is, if we get it in our heart and we believe it, we will walk it out. Because as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And it's not that the words are so, so powerful. What's powerful is whether you believe it or not. And so here's Joshua, the mighty victory, declaring something in his exuberance, and the people believed it. So whether it was actual curse or not an actual curse, that was irrelevant. I don't believe it was, but it's irrelevant. What's relevant is they believed it. And they said, Elisha, nothing's productive here. What does productive mean? It's, it's not got any life. Nothing works here. We can't get any flow. And I believe all across our world right now, there's so many people struggling to get flow. Their life's unproductive. Do you know what they need? They need a new word. They need a new word. Come on, how about us stopping now and saying we're not going to have our dreams robbed? We're not going to allow it to happen. You know, maybe you've watched your parents struggle and they've watched their parents struggle. Maybe something for generations that you believe this is who we are as a family. This is how it is. We see the cycles. Here's the thing. Could you be a generation cycle breaker? Could you be the one that it stops with? And do you know what? If you can be that person, you are setting your children up and you're setting your children's children up because someone has to break it. It is not your lot in life to fail, to struggle, to be so-so because God made you perfectly and wonderfully. Psalm 139, he crafted you in the womb put dreams on the inside of you, talents on the inside of you. You are his treasured possession. You're the apple of his eye and he loves you so, so much. So why would he want you to struggle? But the reality is we do struggle. So let's learn what Elisha was doing when he just showed this thing to the people of Jericho. What you need to know is the Old Testament prophets often gave their message by an example, by drama, by an act, less by their words. There's loads of hilarious ones. I just want to highlight a couple to you. Jeremiah, in Jeremiah 13, if you want to look it up, Jeremiah didn't wash his pants and then hid them under a rock. (laughs) All you prophets, come on, get your A game out. (laughs) Isaiah, in Isaiah 20, you'll find it, he walked naked for three years. That's what I'm talking about. Come on, Uncle Dan, get your own game out. They understood pictures. Jesus taught in parables because it was the word, they understood the language of the day. So the Old Testament prophets showed something. Do you get it? So here we have Elisha listening to the people of Jericho saying, we're unproductive, the water's bad, we can't get any flow, we can't get any life. So how does he give his answer? He gives it in an act. He shows them something. What does he say? He says, bring me a new bowl. Turn to the person next to you and say, a new bowl. He says, bring me a new bowl. He says, bring me some salt. Turn to the person on the other side and say, bring me some salt. And then he threw the salt from the new bowl into the water and said, all done, sorted. I wonder how many of us have gone on years and years and years of counselling, ministry, prayer, all because of something that happened generations ago or all because you had a word spoken over you. Well, Elisha didn't do that. He went, it's all sorted, done. That's where I want to live. Who really wants to go on three years of counselling to sort something that happened that years ago? Come, how about, it's done. 
It's done. This is the time God's causing us to live in right now. Come on, people are going to get healed in a moment. People are going to change their destiny in a moment. People are going to get something changed in their heart in a moment. People are going to believe what's true of them and not just what they've heard in a moment. Here's the thing. Salt had meaning for the people. For me and you, we just think it's nice on the old fries. Gives them a bit of extra flavour. But not for them. It meant something for them. And I'll unpack it for you. Here in Leviticus, in chapter 2 and verse 13, it says this. Season all your grain offerings with salt. Do not leave the salt of the covenant of your God out of your grain offerings. Add salt to all your offerings. If you want to research this some more, just you go into Google and type biblical salt um, covenants. It's everywhere. They knew. They knew it meant something. They knew that adding salt to something was actually a declaration of their covenant with Almighty God. And a covenant isn't just an agreement, it's unbreakable. And what you're really saying by putting salt in is it, I'm, I'm agreeing with the covenant of my God that you're in the middle of this situation. And what you say of me is true, not what everyone else says of me is true. You are the king of kings, you're the lord of lords, you're the creator of heaven and earth, you're the lord of my life, you're my creator. And by throwing salt in, what I'm really saying is, you're in the middle of this. And they understood that. So for us, we're just throwing some salt in there and thinking, what on earth is Elisha doing? But they understood. This is bringing God into the situation. This is reminding ourselves of a covenant. They understood it. I love this. He says, bring me a new bowl. I wonder if the new bowl really represents a new word. It's like, I need something new now. You've been living under this declaration from Joshua for decades. And it's become unproductive. But I'm going to say something new now. And I'm going to break it. I wonder how many people sat in this room have been living under something that was spoken over you years ago. And it's unproductive. And it's not allowing you flow. I wonder how many families sat here think, yeah, I can relate to that. And my parents had dreams and struggled, and I can actually see that my grandparents had dreams and struggled, and now we find ourselves dreaming. Is there a generational thing where we need a new bowl? Throw some salt in it. It's a new covenant. That might be my family history, but I'm getting the God of heaven in the middle of this situation, and he's the great restorer. I hope something is stirring on the inside of you. Because when you bring in the king of the new covenant, you're bringing in hope, you're bringing in life, you're bringing in change. You're bringing in future. But we need to walk it out. Throw some salt on it. Can you bring up? I want to give you a demonstration because sometimes pictures are helpful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Do. So I have some actual salt <laughs> and a ropey old bowl, but we're going to pretend it's a new bowl. Pastor Barry, you say this, but my dad once said to me, you'll never amount to much. Now, I know you've got that dream to go into the business world. I know you've got a dream to go into the sports world, to the music world, to the teaching world. I know you've got a dream to be a great scientist. Uh, I know you've got a dream to be a magnificent parent. I know you've got a dream to be a homeowner. I know you've got a dream, whatever it might be. And it just went... And you've been living under it ever since. Well, when they went to Elisha, what did he do? He said, I'm getting some salt in a new bowl. I'm throwing it in there. And then he says, I'm giving you a new word. Do you remember the word he said? Let's find it. He says this, 
I have healed this water. Never again will it cause death or make the land unproductive. Whatever was spoken over you, today we bring in the covenant of salt. We bring in the king of kings. We bring in the Lord of lords. We bring in everything that's been hurt against you. And we say God is king over all of it. And we declare a new word. We declare a new word. We declare a new word over you. And your new word is success. Your new word is life. Your new word is hope. Your new word is dream. It's a new word. And I do care what your family history is, not to negate that, but you can be a cycle changer. Could you break that cycle on behalf of your children so they never have to struggle with it ever again? It's you. Could you break it? Could you break it? And I hope this little picture is helpful. You know, when you think about what is it over my life? Why is it I can't get there? I watched my parents struggle. That word did hit me hard. But I remember sprinkling the salt. And a new word is spoken over me. Are you, are you hearing it, church? Are you seeing it, church? Is it getting in you, church? Because there's so much more from you. How about get off me, old word? Get off me. You are not welcome here anymore. And what it really means is a change of heart and a change of mind. You could be the cycle breaker. You are made for purpose. You are created in his image. You are blessed. You are talented. You are inspirational. These are words about you. I don't know what's been spoken over you, but these are true of you. When you sprinkle the salt, you break the power because you bring God into the middle of it. It actually adds more significant when Jesus spoke to his people and said, you're the salt of the earth. Can you see the significance now? See, you have the potential to leave this room and go out into all the brilliant relationships you've got at the school gate, at your workplace, in your social circumstances, at the gym, wherever it is, and there will be people who are struggling to flow, yet you're the salt of the earth. You could come in and go, I represent a new covenant. I represent the king of kings, and I don't know why you're struggling, but I know I carry the answer, and I'm stepping into your world because I am the salt of the earth. Jesus has empowered me to be that, and I come bringing heaven and the authority of heaven. I'm going to help you break free. People need that. You know, sometimes I think when we talk about evangelism, you know, we bash people around the head with the, the gospel. Of course, we need to be said in the gospel, but sometimes people need to experience something, and maybe they need to experience the salt of the earth, which is you. You are the salt of the earth. And when you come in and you chat with them and you hear their story and you say, I hear you, but you know what? I've got a different answer because I've got my own story. I was spoken over. My family struggled. But you know what? I came to church one day and I suddenly realized that the salt of the earth is bringing the covenant of heaven into my life and it breaks everything. And then I received a new word and I've flourished ever since. I'd love you to experience that. Can I talk to you some more? Would you even let me pray for you? Come, how bold would you get to help someone free, to help someone step into their dream? Because then you are a walking, talking gospel message and people need to hear it. When Jesus came, he came bringing this message of repent. Do you know the word for repent is metanoia? Turn to the person next to you and say metanoia. Metanoia. And what it really means is to change the way you think. Think differently. Now, we often talk about turning around, but to turn around, you've got to change your mind. Metanoia actually means change your mind. Repent. Stop thinking in a way 
that you've been influenced to think for so long and start thinking in a way that honors the king of heaven oh pastor barry you don't get it but you know i've had all this stuff happen to me and these things spoken to me and the generational stuff in our family it's no wonder i'm struggling yeah 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 but jesus said repent i used to think like that but now i start believing who i really am chosen called empowered inspirational dreamer game changer world changer there is something on the inside of you that I hope I can stir up today by throwing some, if only I could throw some salt everywhere. But my pat down Tim who like, Pastor Barry, you idiot. Get the hoover out. Can you hear me? Could we start changing the way we think? Because the way we've thought for so long is actually part of the reason we're not stepping to our dream. And it's understandable, I get it. I'm not negating things that have been said to you because words are powerful. But what is more powerful is, are you going to believe it or not? And that's a choice. And that's why Jesus says, repent, because it's a choice. I choose. Yes, that wounded me. Yes, I wish my dad hadn't said that to me. I wish my teacher hadn't said that to me. I wish my boyfriend, girlfriend, husband or wife hadn't said that to me. But they did. But I choose today to think like God. I choose today to think differently. Yes, it's wounded me this far, but do you know what? I've got that dream and I'm stepping into that dream. So I am turning around. I am metanoiaing. I'm repenting. I'm changing. It doesn't mean you're a rubbish person. It means I've been thinking the wrong way for so long. And we've all done it. But today I choose to acknowledge the King of Heaven, who I know has plans for me. Jeremiah 29, 11. Now, is it true or isn't it true? And if it's true for you, stop thinking like that and start thinking like this. Amen? Come and turn to three people and say, come and change the way you're thinking. Here's what I love when Jesus teaches us to pray. Most of us, I'm sure, will know the Lord's Prayer. My Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. That's how it starts. Now, I don't know how you see that, but when I've always prayed that, my Father in heaven, I picture that as my Father in heaven up there somewhere. But that's not what Jesus meant at all. Because people listening to that at the time would have realized the heavens is the air around us. So what he's really saying when he teaches us to pray is my Father, who is as close to me as the air I breathe, glorify your name. You see, when you start thinking like that, you know that God is in the middle of whatever situation you find yourself in. And stuff might have happened to you, things might have been said to you, but when you say, my Father, who is so close to me, I know this stuff's happened, but I'm turning my attention to you because you're here in the middle of it, and I know your plans for me are good, so therefore I can turn around, strengthened by your presence, and walk it differently. You know, sometimes we can't do it on our own. We fight, and we fuss, and we push, and we scream, and we, like, we do our very best in our own strength, and we might get summer, but when we realize, my Father in heaven... My Father, you are so close to me. You're in the air. I breathe. You fill my lungs. And now I'm empowered to make a different choice. I'm empowered to repent. I'm empowered to turn it around and walk out a new life. That's always Jesus' heart for us. Always Jesus' heart for us. But it's a choice. Can I encourage leaders of houses? You know, in our house, I'm the head of the house. And so if, I, if we're talking around the table, we always eat together. It's one of our disciplines in our home. We always eat together. And if we're chatting and I hear that someone has spoken something negatively over my children or my wife, I refute it. It stops at our dinner table. You know, I've got a 13-year-old daughter who's flipping awesome. 
But do you know how difficult it is to be a teenager today? Do you know how much negativity they're going to receive? Do you know when they're on social media and all the things that are going to come at them? Do you know how it knocks their confidence? Well, do you know what? Not in my house. Because I say, she will say something, I'm like, no, you're amazing, Evie. You're fantastic. Look at you. And, and instantly she's like, oh, yeah. Do you know why? Because I have the power of life and death in my tongue. And I am an influential figure in her life. I'm her dad. And if dad says I'm brilliant, I'm brilliant. I encourage you leaders of houses. Encourage your children. Encourage your family. Encourage your friends. Be a leader. Because the power of life and death is in your tongue. And you can knock people down or you can build people up. You know, when my wife comes home and she's had a difficult day, I'd always build her up. I'm not making this stuff up. You can check them out afterwards because they're on the front row and they can say, liar, liar, pants on fire, actually he's telling the truth. That's how we choose to live. Build people up. There is an enemy around us wanting to destroy us. God is saying, equip us, church, Essex, start dreaming again. God is saying, come on, take this life by the scruff of the neck. God is saying, yes, we've been in lockdown and it's been difficult, but we're coming out and I want the church to be leaders as we come out. But then there's these words and there's these cycles and there's these things. But we can choose to think on the covenant relationship we have with God. We can choose to build each other up with our words. Oh, Pastor Barry, you know, I thought I was on the right track, but I think I made a few bad decisions and I'm in a mess now. Okay, do you know what? God can still sort that out. Sprinkle some salt on it. Get him back in the middle. Come on, let's build you back up. His A plan is still the A plan. You will get there. Hands up if you've ever made a poor decision. If you don't put your hands up right now, come on. We've all made poor decisions. But you know what? Jesus doesn't go, oh, poor decision, you're rubbish. That's the end of it then. No, no, he just says, repent, change your mind again. Let's go because my plan's still good for you. We can walk this out. Whatever you've done, wherever you've gone, whatever you said, whatever's happened, he has finished it at the cross. He will pull you back in. And set you on a path to go and have your victory and have your testimony. Yes, I made a poor decision, but my God got behind me, backed me up, lifted me up, and look at the life I'm living. It's a declaration of heaven. But sometimes we need each other to say, you can do that. Yeah, but all my friends say, I can't do that. Well, they do, but God says you can do it. And I'm going with God. You can do it. How many, how many people need a little encouragement in their life to say, you can do that? And it's really a case of metanoia. Change the way you're thinking. Change the voices you're listening to. What is most important in your world? Maybe you need to come and have lunch at my house. Because I'll tell you what, I've been called to lead the church and I see you as a family. And if I hear people talking you down and your dreams down, I'm going to act as head of the house. Get off my church. Well, his church, but I'm leading it. Get off. There's a new word. I'm sprinkling some salt over your church. There's a new covenant. It's a new word. The old thing is broken. We're changing our mind and we're going to walk out some dreams. Is anyone up for walking out a dream? Come, there's got to be something new for your declaration of faith. And we've been on this faith journey a long time. And anyone who's ever stepped out in faith knows it's a bit scary. Because faith, by its very nature, means God has to do it. You can't do it on your own. If you can do something on your own, you don't need faith because you can do it. But if you can't do it on your own, then you need God. And that requires faith. And that's where he's like, yes, there's my church. They're out on, the, on a limb, not knowing what they're doing, but they're believing me anyway. And God just comes under us and goes, yes, there's my people. 
They said they'd never achieve it. They said they'd never get anywhere, but they went there anyway. I'm getting right behind them. In your face, all you doubters, because my God said I could do it and I'm doing it. I don't know what dreams in your heart, but I know this. With God in the middle of it, you can do it. I don't care who said anything to you. If God's in the middle of it, you can do it. Amen. It says this in Proverbs 4 and verse 23. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. And I've spoken this verse many times in history, but I just felt to highlight it again. Because the phrase there, flows from it, is a Hebrew word, tosayot. Tosayot. Tap the person in front of you and go, tosayot. Tosayot. And what tosayot means It's a word describing distance. So what the verse is really saying is, guard your heart for the distance you're going to go in life will be affected by it. How far you go in life is going to be affected by what's going on in your heart. And so in guarding our heart, that's an active word. Guard your heart. You've got to do it. And so what does that mean? Well, the people of Jericho heard a word spoken over them and it got in their heart. They didn't guard their heart. It got in their heart. And what happened? They became unproductive for, de- for generations until a new word was spoken. So from here on in, guard your heart. If someone is saying something over you that's like, ouch, you can choose to receive it or not receive it. It is your choice. I want to suggest to you, guard your heart. Don't receive it. I don't believe that's from the Lord. I'm not receiving it. Because if I allow that into my heart, toss there what happens. The distance I'm going to travel is affected. And I want to go as far as God wants me to go. I don't want to be getting halfway there and struggling because I didn't guard my heart. Come on, church, we've got to, if I can use the word, man up a little bit. Don't receive every little thing everyone says over you. You've got to be tougher. You know, I grew up in the sporting world. If I listened to every word spoken over me, I'd be the worst player in history. You know, you think of the boxing world. Those boxers get in that ring and they have to believe, believe, believe they're going to win. If there is an ounce of of indecision in their heart when they step in there, they will lose. They have to believe they're going to win. And I think sometimes in life we bumble along and we get on and someone says something and we're so actually unconvinced of our calling that we're like, oh, well, that probably won't happen for me. I'm like, do you know what I mean? And it's like, come on, church, let's get some grit. God said to Joshua, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Well, whatever your dream is, the likelihood is you're going to have to be strong and courageous. That doesn't mean wimpy and fall over at the first time anyone says anything negative to you. Because negativity will come, but it doesn't have to get in here. Because I guard my heart. I keep my shield of faith up and say, you're not getting in my heart. You can have that opinion of me. You can say that of me, but I've got a dream. And it's a God dream. And it's going to take some faith. And I'm a bit scared by it, but I'm choosing to be strong and courageous. And I'm not going to allow myself to think how I used to because I have repented. And I'm thinking differently. And I'm going for something. And a day will come when you'll walk your dream out and you'll go, that's my God. That's my God. How exciting is it going to be to have a church full of people who are walking out God dreams? That every week we come together and go, yes. I believed for that some years ago and something has shifted and I'm going for it. Why? Because I've guarded my heart. I've heard a new word and I've sprinkled some salt on it and now I'm going for it. How about old word, get off me? Hey, Can you choose that in your heart right now? If something's been affecting you for years, how about today's the day you just say, get off me? 
and sprinkling some salt on it. I love the way that salt's got sort of purifying qualities, hasn't it? It's even good there. Sprinkle some salt and purify it. Change it. It's done. It's healed. And then choose to take on the mind of Christ. Think like him. So here's what I want to do. I'd love you to stand in a moment. And I'm going to speak some words over you. And then I've chatted to Uncle Dan. And despite the mickey taking of his, his prophetically gifted man. And I've asked him just to speak over you a new word. And I hope that you will open your heart to it. You'll allow it in because I believe it's going to be a word of life. Amen. Should we get up together? Thank you. Let me again just invite you just to close your eyes. Take a moment. Everyone's got all their own takes and thoughts on what we've been talking about. Everyone's got their own situation. But also, everyone has the King of Kings cheering them on from heaven. You are not alone in this. Father, I want to thank you for every incredible person here today. I stir up your dream again, church. I stir up your gift again, church. God bless you. Just with every eye closed, if there's anyone relating to that whole idea of either generational cycles or words being spoken over you and you just, you just had a little prompt in your heart to say, yeah, that is actually affecting me. Would you just raise your hand so I know who I'm praying for? God bless you there. God bless you over there. God bless you here. God bless you. Well, lots of people. God bless you. God bless you. Lots of people. I just knew God wanted that. Talk about that today. Father, you've seen all these amazing people, your children, raise their hands and say, I know that something's been holding me back. Well, we sprinkle salt over each of them. And we break the power of the generational cycle today. We break the power of the unkind words spoken today. And we choose. Come on, church. We choose. It's active. You have to choose. We choose to take the power away from it. We choose this morning to think differently. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Take on the mind of Christ. We choose to think differently. just with the authority you've given me as a pastor Lord God I break the power of those words over people in Jesus name you can have no more effect but I speak hope over you church I speak new life over you church I say dream again church I say heaviness be replaced with lightness. Darkness be replaced with light. Where your mind's been like a fog, I declare clarity. 
I pray, Lord God, that as only you can, that all the memories and those words bouncing around in our thought processes, I pray you take them away. We need your help, Lord God, not to go around the same cycle, to have the same thoughts. We need your help, Lord God, to change our mind. Be free, church. Be free in Jesus' name. Come on, be free in Jesus' name. Picture that song. Almighty God getting in the middle of your situation. Hear that new word. Hope, freedom, life, productivity. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.